1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to The
0: Tennis Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, episode 43. And we are sitting overlooking the most beautiful green grass court at the Queen's Club, the centre court. The stands are up, Catherine, we're sitting in them, We're sitting on blue seats, surrounded by this huge expanse of stadium that is built for purpose, that is built just for this week, the Aegon Tennis Championships. We're looking at the Queen's Club clubhouse. It looks absolutely beautiful. The sun is shining down on us. We've spent the morning watching Andy Murray practising. He's back from his back injury that he sustained in Rome. And he looked in great fettle, didn't he? Catherine Whitaker, my word, he had Tim Henman, poor old Tim Henman, running all over the court. We did see the, the one little clenched fist from Tim when he managed to hit a volley winner, but I think he's remembered why he retired today.
1: Yeah, Tim wasn't at his most elegant, was he? When He, was, he looked a little bit ragged after. I've only seen the video, I don't know whether that was after five minutes or after two hours, but he certainly looked like he'd He'd been given a workout by Andy.
0: If you want to to get an idea as to what we're talking about, I actually shot a a minute's worth of video of Tim and Andy playing today. You'll be able to find that on the a Gun Championships website. Go to the official site or check out the British Tennis YouTube page and you'll be able to see Andy and Tim going through their paces. It's Thursday here, uh, just before the tournament's about to start. Qualifying gets underway on Saturday, then the main draw begins on Monday. We've had a wild card today, Catherine. Dan Evans has been given a wild card, the great British player who performed so well at the Davis Cup tie a couple of months ago in Coventry. And we've still got a couple of wild cards to give out. But all the players are beginning to filter into Queens now. Grigor Dimitrov arrived today. Our favourite, and we, we, you know, we, we did do...
1: everyone's favourite now, though everyone's adopted. I know. I I, I've
0: kind of gone off him, haven't you?
1: <laughs> He's so contrary.
0: <laughs> and uh, but Andy Murray was was really going through through his paces today. I know he tweeted a couple of days ago that. You know He's back on track and and that as long as nothing untoward goes on between now and the tournament, he'll be playing here in the tournament. And, and, and I certainly didn't see anything to concern me in his practice session. Of course, anything can happen between now and then, but, it, but he looks indecent, Nick. And meanwhile, over in Paris, Catherine, we are at the business end of the French Open, aren't we? And before the tournament, you and I were arguing about Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal and who was going to win the event. And we're still arguing about it because they're about to play their semi-final tomorrow. Have you seen anything, Catherine, in the Nadal demolition of Stanislas Wawrinka in the quarterfinals and the slightly troubled passage to victory for Djokovic over Tommy Haas in the quarters that has made you think any differently? You think Djokovic is going to win the title. Do you still think that?
1: Yes, I do. Now, I don't say that, you know, I, I don't think that um, overwhelmingly. I don't feel... Overwhelmingly strongly that Djokovic is going to beat Nadal. I just, I'm giving the edge to Djokovic. Just I, I, is this
0: I just you hanging on to your prediction, hoping for the best, so that you no. don't look stupid having got it wrong? Or is no, this I mean, that you genuinely on, believe on. this? There's
1: nothing to choose between them, really, is there? I just, I do think
0: half. Haas... Well, there is. One of them's won seven titles, and the other one hasn't won any.
1: Well, okay, then bring Bjorn Borg in. Would you back him against? <laughs> yeah, but
0: he's think? about sixty.
1: Okay, so you're admitting that there are other factors at play then. Well, th- besides how many titles you've won, let's leave that one there. I'll just finish my point. I uh, I think that Vavrinka. V- for Nadal was a far more favourable matchup than Haas for Djokovic. You look at their head-to-heads going into that match; they were very different. Vavrinka, I think, was eight to one against Rafa, um, and that one victory was in slightly dubious circumstances. Um, whereas Haas has a very favourable record against Djokovic. So I actually, I'm not
0: even sure he's beaten him once.
1: That you might be right there. Actually, I, I was I was just erring on the side of caution. I, if Vavrinka had got one victory over Rafa, I didn't want to take that away from him. <laughs> but whereas Haas' record against Djokovic was either equal or something like four out of eight, some something like that, or possibly even five out of eight. So I actually think the fact that Djokovic beat him in straight sets was was as impressive, if not more so. The Nadal's demolition of Vavrinka, given the matchups there.
0: Oh goodness me! Well, let's let's be clear about this, though, Catherine. W- there is something up in the sky that I'm looking at now, which is a rare sight here in the Great British Isles, and that is a, a yellow round sun, and it is blazing down here on us on the Queen's Club, and. Who knows, if it carries on like that, they could be playing in hot conditions in the French Open. And it's no surprise, no coincidence, that Nadal has come alive since the sun has started shining. He's a different animal. He's like Federer when the roof comes on at Wimbledon. During that Wimbledon final against Andy Murray, and he was suddenly a different player. And that's Rafael Nadal now. And what on earth is Novak Djokovic going to do about it if it's hot tomorrow?
1: I agree. I agree he seems to have come to life. Maybe he's a bit of an SAD sufferer. Maybe he just doesn't like the gloomy conditions. A bit he's
0: like used. us, really. He grew
1: up in Mallorca. Maybe he just gets a bit grumpy. Like those Spanish players that come over to play in the Premiership and have a brilliant first month in September and then it all starts to get a bit rainy and gloomy and they just don't fancy it for six months. Anyway, It's
0: very xenophobic of you, <laughs> Catherine.
1: Well, you know, there's plenty of examples of it. <laughs> it's, uh, performance, performance related to weather. I'm sure there's a some kind of thesis in there. so. No, well,
0: we've been on fire with the tennis podcast today, and it's only because the sun's shining. We're useless usually, uh, but uh, the the fact that uh, the sun has been shining, I think, is a factor. However, I have seen a weather forecast, Catherine, and it's it could rain the next few days in Paris, not here. It's going to be lovely here, so if you're coming to the Queen's Club, you're going to have a fantastic time. But in Paris, it might rain.
1: Yeah, well, before I th- started theorising about um, about premiership footballers, I, I was going to say another person that would be very uh, cheered by the sight of the sun in the sky would be Songa. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, so... I don't. I perhaps shouldn't admit to my bias, but I desperately want him to win the French Open. I think it would be fantastic for tennis. I think it. I think it would just be a glorious sight to see Songer lifting the trophy. So
0: very Yannick Noah-esque, wouldn't yeah. it? Nineteen eighty-three, exactly. 30 years on I mean and the similarities in style are there for all to see I was watching some YouTube video of Yannick Noah in that final against Mats Valander a few days ago and it is something to behold if you want to watch it his style was of a different era but the athleticism was there he really attacked Valander and that's surely what Songa has to do against David Ferrer and in the final if he gets there
1: Absolutely and I, <laughs> and I, and I think he knows that and I think that's exactly what he'll do he will Attack. He'll be aggressive, and it's just a question of whether he's hitting the lines or not. If he's hitting, if he's accurate, um, then I think he has a good, good chance. I, I, the other reason I, I would favour him against Ferrer, favour as in want him to beat Ferrer, is that I think Song would have a far better chance in the final than Ferrer would, sadly.
0: Isn't that the the beauty of the tennis styles? Make matches philosophy and thing, though, isn't it? Because I think that Ferrer is the favourite against Joe Wilfred Songa as things stand. I think, you know, he, 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 how many times is Songa going to have to knock his way past Ferrer to win that match? But if they got to the final, I don't give Ferrer hardly any chance against either Nadal or Djokovic, whereas Songa could win that.
1: I couldn't agree more, David. Oh, I, don't, I, I don't like disagreeing. So no, I couldn't agree more. I just give Ferrer the edge tomorrow. But I, I, for the sake of the tournament, I, yes, okay, I've admitted a bias towards Songa. But for the sake of the tournament, I really, I really think it'd be fantastic for Songa to get through because that the final would be such an occasion. I could, I mean, sorry, it's sad to say it, um, and I, and I hope it's no, um, it's not too much of a, a put down to say that Ferrer is a. Pale imitation of of Rafa and Djokovic.
0: Rafa light,
1: Rafa light, exactly. I mean, that's harsh, isn't it? You, I you put can't. that out on
0: Twitter once, and I got really in trouble with some Ferrer fans. And but I can he, understand it, really. But, but you know, it's best true, isn't Rafa it?
1: Rafa is, you know that is i mean it's a slightly backhanded compliment but actually come on he's you know one of the greatest of all time it's and and i think it's also a position that he's very comfortable with he wouldn't contest that would he
0: ferrer is an admirable tennis player and an admirable athlete and human being from what i can make out i don't know him very well but i mean he seems like a a great guy with an amazing attitude and and i do think he's likely to beat songer to be honest i think his relentlessness will see him through I said, I think at the start of the tournament, I think I said Ferrer in the final, um, and I still think that, really.
1: Yeah, well, as I say, I do agree. I perhaps don't feel quite as strongly as you do, um, but I do give Ferrer the edge. The other point I'd make about Ferrer is sort of coming back to my point that you didn't agree with, let's say, a few, few weeks or months ago, about Federer not being relatable, or certainly me not finding him relatable, Ferrer is a relatable tennis player. He is somebody that is making the absolute most of his talent. He he, he didn't wake up with divine talent. I mean, he's certainly a very skilled tennis player, but um, he is human. He is absolutely human, and he is giving a 100% every day 24 hours a day
0: just like me (laughs) when I'm on the court you know I give it everything the clenched fist and you know okay if I top edge it over the clubhouse so what (laughs) Uh, there's no answer to that is there Uh, well I mean it's it's going to be interesting let's just be very clear Catherine you're going for Djokovic and you're going for Ferrer You think that is going to be the final of the French Open?
1: I hope it's not. I want it to be Rafa. Didn't ask you that. But, yeah, yeah, I I guess that is what I'm picking, yeah.
0: It's going to be Rafa against Ferrer, says I. We shall see. That's not
1: going to be a good final, though, is it?
0: I I didn't say... uh, I'm not giving it marks for artistic impression. I'm just (laughs) telling you who it's going to be, so you can put your money on it. (laughs) Not that I have the slightest inside knowledge, and I certainly don't encourage betting. But what about the women's draw? We have, at the moment, uh, Maria Sharapova locked in battle with Victoria Azarenka when we left uh, our press centre here at the Aegon Championships to come and sit outside in the sun and pretend we're working. It was one set all. So uh, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it, to see who's going to win the tournament. It's just hard to imagine. Even though Serena Williams has had a few wobbles because she did have a, a pretty major one in the previous round, um, you can't see her losing, can you? You can't see her losing at this tournament.
1: No, I thought you were going to ask me who who I thought was going to win at of Sharapova and Nazarenka. Who do you
0: Ra- think is going to win out of Sharapova and Nazarenka?
1: Well, I'm going to say I think it's all academic because I think Serena will demolish everything in her path until, until the trophy's in her hands. I think it's all irrelevant. OK.
0: Well, sorry, everybody. You might as well not even bother watching. Catherine's just said it's an, a null and void irrelevance uh, as a final. But there we are. Uh, now, what else have we got to talk about? We uh, we have an interview with Bob Brett coming up, Catherine. And uh, and it's, it's going to be very interesting uh, to hear the second part of that. We've had all the Boris Becker chat. And now we've asked him about what on earth possessed him to go from Boris Becker, who isn't the easiest character in the world to have coached at the height of his uh, heyday, and he's gone and chosen Goran Ivanovic as his next candidate. Poor old Bob Brett. Well, here he is talking about what made him decide to work with Goran Ivanisovic and what he thought when he started.
2: Well, I had seen him on the tour, of course, and he actually played Boris in... 1990 at uh, Roland Garros and Goran won and then they played at Wimbledon and Goran served I think for two sets to love and Boris just managed to break and then yeah, Boris went on to the final but then in 91 I wish, and I wanted to go back because Boris I thought it in 91 when we stopped, was playing the best tennis of his life and I was hoping that he would go there for the next five years. That would have been nice. and uh, But there was a little bit of a drop. I thought he'd stay number one. I thought he maybe would have the chance to do that. But uh, then, anyway, with Goran, after the first ten days... Mary Carrillo came and asked me when I was going to stop.
0: <laughs> Why?
2: <laughs> Just, he, Goran played, um, Goran played Santoro, I think, or, or Krycek in Indian Wells and lost in straight sets. Easy, easy, but didn't quite give it 100% effort right to the end. And so it was just a question because I've known Mary for a long time since Port Washington Tennis Academy. So it was, um, I said, no, it's not finished yet. The job's not finished. So it was fascinating, very nice working with the core
0: it, it does strike me that the, the, the reason I, I bring it up in, in those terms is because I can't imagine two more different human beings in terms of personality than you and Goran. I mean, I've got to know Goran over the years, but I didn't know him back then. And and I just wonder, at what point did the, the sort of meeting of minds take place? Because you were together for, for quite a while and, and had... Some some success, some real success, and at some point you must have been able to, to get inside that that crazy mind of his. What did you find?
2: Well, you know, it was it was funny because when um, Fabio Delavida from IMG, who was representing uh, Goran at the time, he came and asked me, and so I said, okay, I'll meet Goran, and I, I met him and. And I, asked, and I tried to have a conversation with him <laughs> and just wanted to know what he wanted to do and that he didn't say one word. <laughs> and I'm serious. He didn't say one word. I was trying to hold... I had a one-way conversation <laughs> trying to make it into two. <laughs> but I didn't sort of hold that against him. I wasn't... I just thought he was shy he would look down and And he is shy isn't he oh yes and he's there were different opportunities you know people during the time that we worked together but it was still work that i i was enjoying and and in a funny way there are moments of course (laughs) where just it um you ask him a question maybe you wouldn't answer your tolerance, and just everything, tests everything. <laughs> but it's fascinating. And it's really, it's, I thought maybe Goran can do some things that Boris did, just normal, because, what, because of his athleticism. And it didn't work, of course. <laughs> and he said he could never do this, you know, something. But I didn't say it was from Boris, it was just something strategically that I thought... He said, "I won't be able to do that unless I'm tanking." And so, but we had some great time. I mean, fascinating, unbelievable athlete, unbelievable. It, there would be very—I don't think anyone better than him, but there may be a few equal one. I mean, there's some great athletes. I mean, if you look at, if you look at Federer and Nadal and Sampras, and hope I haven't left too many out. But just that ability
0: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
2: of speed jump, I mean, and this is, I mean, I he was... Uh, standing long jump three meters that's that's impressive for a guy who didn't train he did he did 400 meters in 53 81 with just I think uh, regular running shoes on and the day after Wimbledon because you know, he said he was unfit and he you know I'm so slow and it was the year when he the crisis the war with um, in with Yugoslavia, and uh, I showed him the time after, you know, without any preparation at all. Honestly, <laughs> he was sick for three hours, but yeah. <laughs> but, he, but that shows an, another sign of him. He gave it a hundred percent.
0: That's the thing with him, isn't it? Because he he is a little bit of a almost like a contradiction. You know, he you see this wise cracking, you know racket smashing nutcase on the court sometimes and yet there's a lot more to him than that isn't there oh yeah he's really he's
2: really really nice and he was great with my uh, eldest daughter with Carolyn and they have good friendship and still to this day and so he's very very loyal and we have a We have a, still today, I mean, we have a good relationship. And it's always, I'm always thinking about him, you know, making sure that everything's okay. Still coaching in my brain, but uh, not as...
0: (laughs) Almost, I mean, I know he was very keen, or at least I read that he was keen not to sort of look at you as a father figure and so forth. But I suppose in a way that's, that's what you have to be. I mean, he's a young guy and he's pretty volatile and, and doesn't know what emotions coming next did the, is that how you felt did you have to sort of steer him
2: <laughs> steer him away from trouble yes no but just the fines and making sure that he was aware of things and preparing him just making sure that when he was well prepared and he was really I mean amazing he was a great player
0: That serve, I mean, that serve was... I know you didn't teach him that serve, but, I mean, have you ever seen anything like it?
2: The only thing I did is I made sure I didn't ruin it. That's the thing. Kept it as natural as possible. And 207 aces at Wimbledon. That was in the Agassi year,
0: wasn't it? That was in 1992,
2: yeah. And, of course, it would have... I think there were some parts of his game that... I would have it would have been nice to have been able to work on when he was 12 or 13. Then later, which ones? Which is more, you know, for example, the volley and things like that, just some other things that might open his mind up, you know, as to what opportunities there were, and uh, but you know, all in all, it was it was a fascinating time.
0: I've just seen Nick Bolletieri walking around and. Um I suppose one of the iconic images of, is of Goran playing Agassi and, and volleying into the net and, and falling to the ground Andre and Nick's in the player box there. I mean, what are your memories of that? Did you think Goran had got him?
2: Well, he won the first set in a tiebreak and then uh, second set he lost, third set he lost, fourth set he comes out and plays really well. And I thought, oh, there's an opportunity. You know, maybe he'll be able to do this. And he had a break point midway through the fifth set. Agassi served well. He had a good shot and then a, another big shot, I think. And that was his chance gone. And then he blinked <laughs> in the last game. Two double folds and I think two volley errors. Just one of those things that happened. But it was great for him to beat Rafter. And that, I think, was the reward for all that patience.
0: I mean, and, and it was almost, almost too late by then, wasn't it? I mean, I think if, if we did a straw poll of everybody we knew in, say, 2000, we would have all thought, Goran's chance is gone now.
2: Well, I think more so that that because of injury rather than reality, um, because always thought that at some time he would get his opportunity, because he played... Agassiz once and Sampras twice, in the final, and that two great players, and they were not letting him off, and uh, they were probably his nemesis. Those those two, whereas Pat, probably he hadn't gone through that turmoil, that stress that he that he'd gone through with the other two. You know, with Andre and, and Pete and so and probably more relaxed, less expectations um, For him his ranking was completely <laughs> nothing to even look at on a, on a Monday morning and so um, yeah he
0: told me that when he walked in the gates that that week he doesn't know why but he knew he was going to win if there was something. There was something that happened that fortnight, and he, he'll never be able to, I mean, you look at the guys he beat, Andy Roddick, um, um, Greg Rzedski, Marit Safin, Tim Henman, Pat Rafter. I mean, these are the best in the world on that surface, apart from Sampras in that era. Yeah, just he was relaxed
2: with it, and I wasn't working with him at that time, but... Uh,
0: Can you remember where you were when he won it?
2: No, I came to the final. But in uh, on the Sunday was the or
0: it was rained semi-fine. off, wasn't it? So he ended up playing the playing semi-final. the the final on the Monday. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the semi final was on Sunday, the finish of it, and I was in Amsterdam Airport, and he called me, and you know he was he was really happy, you know, which is which is nice. And then I just asked him if I could get a ticket, so. I went with a friend of mine um, to to see the final, and it was great. I mean, just it was. But it's funny his his reaction to it, and that it's really you know he he said Pat's second serve there. He just he he didn't know what to do, but he he couldn't do anything but hit it. He said, <laughs> so yeah, it's a great thing for him, the reward for. A lot of different things he was where he was really fascinating was his um commitment to his country and standing up and being ready to put himself on the line into publicly uh for his position with croatia and not too many you know, a lot of people against that um and but he was he was okay He didn't worry about what other people thought. He just knew he loved his country and that's what he was prepared to stand up and speak for.
0: Final thought, Bob. You've obviously since coached Nicholas Kiefer, Mario Ancic, Marin Cilic. Players who've had great success. And and I've noticed in the last year, Andy Murray has been coached by Ivan Lendl. And and in the stands, at least, Um, Lendl has almost adopted the Bob Brett sort of pose hasn't he have you noticed that
2: (laughs) I think he wanted to during the during the match with uh, Andy last year at the US Open he wanted to send me a text during the match (laughs) I was worried I was petrified that he was going to send me the text which he didn't but uh, I think that you'll find that the best way, what well, seems to be the best way to deal with things is not to show too much emotion, but he would feel it for sure. And just his way of doing it, he's, he wanted to make sure, probably that for the discipline and and that. And I wouldn't say it's my approach. <laughs> I yeah. probably, just my exposure to Harry Hoffman, I think, was... were the reasons not that I I didn't try to copy him at all not at all but a lot of things definitely I benefited from and it was a great contribution so those sort of things were I sat with him at uh, a couple of times at matches one McNamee was playing McEnroe at Roland Garros and we went to I think after the second set we went to dinner (laughs) after dinner he said oh let's go and see if it's still on so we went and it's in the fourth set tiebreaker or something like that so and then and he was just he never spoke no emotion anything so probably that's what happened (laughs) rubbed off
0: so that's Bob Brett the great coach talking about his years with Goran Ivanisovic and we've we've got to know Goran a little bit on the the ATP Champions Tour it the, the one that really makes me laugh is where Bob's talking about how the they had their first sort of conversation when they got together and and it was a one-way conversation and basically Goran didn't say a single word he 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 can be difficult sometimes can't he but he certainly changed a little bit since those days I suspect
1: Well I didn't know him in those days like Bob did or like you did but as you mentioned in the interview he's he's shy he he can be very shy in certain situations and I'm sure that was a factor in in that first encounter that you mentioned as well as maybe being slightly difficult I don't know but um it sounds like um they were that perfect mix of very different characters that just blend brilliantly together and I've seen them embrace one another you know seeing one another for the first time at, at tournaments you know these days and there's so much warmth you know it's it's that's that's how a coaching relationship should be and and the fact that Goran's protégés of well not protégés but his his uh those that followed in his footsteps have also gone on to work with with Bob Brett, says says a lot I think
0: yeah, well, given that we are working at the Aegon Championships here at Queen's, we, we won't give a prediction on who's going to win it. I don't think that would be quite right. But we will throw ahead to Wimbledon, Catherine. Who's going to win Wimbledon? Well, here we are at Queen's. We know who's in the semi-finals of the French Open. Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic in great form. Roger Federer, a bit ropey, lost in straight sets to Joe Wilfred Songa, but he is the defending Wimbledon champion. What is going to happen to Roger Federer at Wimbledon this year as a plane goes overhead here on the centre court? And we look up up high, and in fact, it's an it's a helicopter who's scouting out whether Catherine's on the run for anything. But no, apparently not. She's sitting here doing the tennis podcast. What do you think, Roger Federer? How's his Wimbledon going to go?
1: I don't think Roger Federer is going to win Wimbledon. I say that confidently. I don't think he's going to lose in the first round either. But I, I think, um, semis, maybe. That's there you go. Is that? Do you like?
0: How do you like Songa's chances at Wimbledon this year?
1: I like them a lot. um, If he's doing this well on the clay, the grass suits him even better. I think he's the sort of person where adrenaline and momentum and just riding high on emotion will carry him a very long way. So if he can, whatever happens in Paris, if he can keep up whatever he's feeling now for the next few weeks and really ride the wave, I like his chances a lot. It's it's hard to pick him as a a favourite. But certainly, probably more of a serious contender than he's ever been in the past, perhaps.
0: The giant South African Kevin Anderson has just walked past, all six feet eight of him. And uh, he can look down on me, which is quite a, an experience for me. I'm not used to that, especially with Ivo Karlovic not here this year at the moment. Now, what about your prediction for the, for the men's and women's champion of Wimbledon, Right here, right now, I want to know who Catherine Whitaker says is going to win those two tournaments.
1: I like how you put me on the spot, what, gathering, biding time for yourself to, to A, scope out what I'm going to say and B, figure out what you're going to say. Anyway, well, I, Serena Williams, say no more. Um, and... I like
0: the way you sort of name her first to buy yourself some time while you try and work out which of the men's going to win it.
1: Actually, I learned my tactics from, from the best. Um, and on the men's side, who do I think is going to win Wimbledon? Well, I'm feeling Andy Murray, but I've taken punts on him in the past and looked foolish. Um,
0: he was looking pretty pretty tasty he, on the practice court he? today. My word, you watched those rallies on the video that we've got on the championships website. He was walloping All right,
1: it. Okay, sold. Sold to the lady in the sunglasses. I'll go for Murray.
0: Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Good good question, isn't it? Who's gonna win it? I really don't know. I've got a I've got a feeling Djokovic again, maybe, you know. Catherine's a little bit nonplussed by that suggestion. What's the problem? Well Oh, forget this. I'm going for Andy Murray. He's British, he's bad, he's playing the Aegon Championships, he's getting ready here at the Queen's Club. I think Andy Murray's gonna win the title particularly given that it is Jonathan Overend's final tournament as the tennis correspondent of the BBC. It needs to happen that Andy Murray wins the tournament because it's the only right way for Jonathan to go out on a high. Uh, He will do whatever happens because he'll be commentating on the final. It'll be fantastic coverage, I would hope, because I'm part of it too on BBC Radio 5 Live, and you'll be able to hear that. You'll be able to hear them as well commentating on the semi-finals and the final here at the Queen's Club. We've got BBC Television and Eurosport also carrying pictures throughout the week. It's going to be fantastic and on this very centre court in just over a week's time following the men's singles final will be Rally Against Cancer featuring Andy Murray and his uh, victim of today on the practice court Tim Henman they're teaming up against Ivan Lendl who I have to say was giving a frightful mickey taking to both players and anybody in his general vicinity on the practice court today it'll be Lendl alongside Thomas Burditch in that Rally Against Cancer match and then we've got a, a bunch of celebrities coming down Catherine Boris Johnson the Mayor of London Michael Mac the Comedian, Jonathan Ross, uh, Eddie Redmayne. And uh, it's going to be quite an occasion to see all of those people on the court. I wonder if any of them can actually play tennis.
1: <laughs> we're, we're reliably informed by the celebrities themselves that they are able to at least connect ball with racket. So, uh,
0: well, what, whatever happens, it's going to be great fun to watch. You'll be able to see that on BBC Television and on Eurosport. They're, they're doing an hour-long highlight show package of it and uh, that'll be coming up on the 16th of June on Sunday Uh, I think there's only a few tickets left for the entire week now Catherine just a handful have come back from the ballot from people who couldn't take their allotted tickets I think those are on Monday and Tuesday and I think everything else is pretty much sold out so if you do want to come down and sit in the sunshine on Monday and Tuesday because it does look like a good weather forecast see some of the best tennis in the world on unquestionably the best grass courts in the world you ask any player and we've also asked the the groundsman and he's a assured us that they're the best uh, but uh, you may if you're lucky be able to get tickets on the agon championships website we catherine will be back following the french open final won't we we're going to chat through what happened and talk about how you were wrong
1: and someone's going to have egg on their face yep
0: looking forward to it well, i hope you've enjoyed listening to us here on the tennis podcast thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you soon